Welcome to the Bikepack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockman Cyclery for supporting Bike Pack Adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on pedaling. Welcome to Bike Tour Adventures Touring Talk. We are your hosts, Chris Panaski and Adam Hugel. When I thought up the idea of adding a new series into the Bike Tour Adventures podcast and that I wanted it to function like a guide to bike touring, it really came naturally that I would ask Adam to join me as a co-host. He had just finished a 20,000 kilometer bike tour and has literally been around since the beginning of Bike Tour Adventures. Not just as my first guest, but also while I was trying to choose a name for the podcast and while I was building the website. The fact that we get on pretty well makes this a fun way for both of us to share our cycling and touring experiences with listeners. So let's get the first episode going. Adam, we got a pretty exciting topic to talk about today. What are we talking about, buddy? So today, mate, we have decided out of all the plethora of things we can talk about, let's talk about cooking and stoves. A man's got to eat. <laughs> a man's got to. I think that I think it's quite. Uh, it's quite uh, ideal that we're talking about cooking. I think it's my favorite topic, bar cycling. Cycling. <laughs> uh, sorry, eating is my favorite thing. So yeah, this is um, <laughs> bar cycling. So. And we shared quite a lot of meals when we we biked together. We uh, we cooked a lot of our own meals, and also we got we got fed by the locals. And so while you freeloaded a... at my house for two weeks, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> freeloaded. At Actually, your house. you didn't. You were pretty good about it. I, th- I remember we had a lot of kimchi and a lot of Korean food. That was pretty good, right? Oh, and you got really annoyed because I think I ate your honey. Oh, that was good honey. <laughs> honey, by the way, one of the best bike touring foods out there. I think it's possibly the best. Yeah, it goes a long way. Peanut butter and honey. Can't go wrong. Peanut butter and honey, mate. I think what we need to think about when uh, deciding on which kind of stove to use is there's kind of some key questions which we'll try to tie back into at the end here. But like, first one is where you're going. And that really plays a lot of a lot of importance based on fuel accessibility. How long you're going for. I mean, that might determine what kind of stove you want to bring with you. How often you're cooking. You know, if you're if you're going on a trip to Southeast Asia and you're not cooking at all, is there a really need to have an expensive, good quality stove? And um, are you solo or are you cooking for two or cooking for four? Those kind of things. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, there's, a, there's also the thought, do you need to bring a stove or not? I think it's people will expect if you're on a bike tour, you're going to need one. But there's definitely an argument if you're in somewhere like Thailand or most of Southeast Asia, the food there is affordable delicious and maybe if you're going to be in the, the more beaten path and you're not going to be really remote you could get away with not even taking one yeah and i lived in malaysia for four uh, for seven years and we had actually figured out that it was cheaper to eat out every meal of the day 
Then it would be to go to the store and buy high quality foods and cook yourself. And you're never going to make food as good as, as that person down on the street corner that's been doing it their whole life. The food they make would be amazing. Yeah, and they, I mean, they use cheaper quality oils, you know, they're using like your palm oil and stuff to cook and they use cheap quality rice and everything. But I mean, does it matter? It tastes and, good. And do you really want to carry a 10 kilo bag of rice on your back of your bike? I mean, if you, you love rice, but you know. Yeah, and I think the stove you bring as well depends on the, the, the group size. If you are going to be cooking with a group, having um, a bigger stove, a bigger cook set, obviously makes a big difference to being mm. if you're by yourself and you're just cooking for one. So I think we're going to talk about um, various types of stoves today. So I think we both have a lot of experience with different types, um, particularly you, Adam, actually. But uh, multi-fuel stoves, alcohol stoves, canister, gas stoves, and... Um, I even threw in the idea is the uh, wood burning stoves, but I've never actually used one, so we'll talk about that when it comes time. But Adam, you you use the Whisper Light, right? The International on your bike. Yeah. Bike? So the Whisper Light is the it's the stove I've used. Mine's in a bit of a bad state at the moment. Is via that I mean it's, it looks black. It's covered in soot, and but it's a multi fuel stove which comes with lots of little adapters, which they all go inside the like stove area, and. It's yeah. It's it's the. I think a lot of the bike touring people I meet on the road have this stove, so it's obviously quite popular for a reason. Yeah, and I think um, that's the Whisperlite International. They also make one that's not the international version, and it is not multi-fuel. So you got to make sure if you're getting a Whisperlite by MSR that you do get the international one because um, yeah, that's like really good to know. Ten twenty dollars more, you could really screw yourself and go. Oh, I got a deal. Yeah. What do you know? What fuel the other one takes? Um, yeah. Oh, I was reading about it. It's just um, white gas. Just I gas. Think. Yeah. Just, just white gas. White gas. So white gas is like when when you're using the MSR Whisperlite International, white gas is what they recommend for you to use. Uh, the only thing is with white gas is it's expensive compared to other fuels. It's definitely not the cheapest of fuels, and it's only really easy to get other white gas when you're in somewhere like North America. If you're in Central Asia or even Southeast Asia, good luck trying to translate what white gas is and trying to find it. I found it pretty impossible. Yeah. No. How much did the Whisper Light cost you? Good question. Um, I don't remember. Is it, is it about £70? Okay. That's what I would yeah. guess. Yeah. $140, $50, dollars something like that. Okay. That makes sense. And especially if you're buying it with, it comes with like a little like maintenance kit. So it comes in like a red box, and it's probably about sunglasses case size, maybe a bit thinner. And in the maintenance kit, you can buy that separately. I think that costs about $20, $30. Mm-hmm. But that, I didn't use it for the first 12 months of my trip, but it became invaluable later on in the trip, and it saved me having to buy a whole new stove, and nothing worse than your stove not working if you're in the middle of nowhere. Right. And you suddenly, like, you've got pasta, you you want to cook and you've got nothing else to eat and you're having to cook like you're like the maintenance kit comes into its own then did you have any problems with it other than uh that one time or uh, i had a few a few little times and it was all just through wear and tear if you use a stove every single day for 18 months which is pretty much what i did it's um it's gonna it's gonna things are gonna wear out it's got little rubber like kind of washes in there mm-hmm. and they degrade over time and there's, there's just the working parts inside. It's a really simple stove, and I think that's what one of the real attractions to it is, is I now know how to fully take it apart, and I can replace every single part on it, so I will mm-hmm. never need to buy, hopefully, touch wood, a brand new one, 
and you can just buy replacement parts and it just will last me a lifetime. Yeah, that's the good thing about the Whisperlite is they, um, MSR have been making this since like the 80s or something and people still use their original ones, you know, they're, maybe that's a bad move on MSR's part. Come on, MSR, get with the times, make stuff that breaks and it's irreparable. And, do you know uh, what they do do? Is they, they keep bringing out, like I saw, they get, you get the fuel bottle, the traditional one's red, big red bottle, mm-hmm. and I saw some like, uh, I think it was like 50th anniversary edition bottles that were white, oh. and I saw a load of them in REI in Alaska. So I, so I bought one of them, and then because I needed two bottles. So having two fuel bottles was really good for the remote areas where mm. I didn't know if I'd be able to fill up fuel. Um, how easy was it to maintain it? Maintain it? Well, I, I suppose like initially you don't really think about maintaining when you first buy it. So for the first 12 months, I did zero maintenance. So in itself, that's pretty easy. That's pretty good. You got but, a year out of it, I don't. Yeah, and then, and then after a year of me just abusing it, and by abusing it, I mean putting uh, like car fuel, so gas, like actual car gas, car fuel into it. So I'd go to a, a car petrol station is what we'd call it in the UK, or a gas station. Yeah. And I would fill my bottles for about a dollar in the States or if you're in China, the equivalent of 50 cents and you just fill fill your bottles and that would last me about seven days. But that fuel is really mucky fuel. It's really black and sooty and dirty, but it's cheap and it works. And yeah, I suppose it gets clogged up after after a year of constant use. Did you ever use diesel? No. no, I always use I always use the unleaded variant. You, can, you can use diesel. I was reading about that. I can imagine. Yeah, I think I I read as well that using the fuel with the uh, do you know you often get numbers next to the the gas like mm-hmm. how much yeah. qual- the lower the number so really the lower the quality the more the leaded better. <laughs> because uh, because it means it's got less additives in it ah, which means okay. it's like that's you that's for cars really whereas for your stove. You just want it to burn, so it's uh, the cheaper the better. Oh, good to know. That's kind of cool. How about getting used to using it, like the priming and all that stuff? Does uh, is there quite a learning curve there? Or is it just kind of stupid easy? Yeah, oh, I think it's fairly easy. Um, I say that having used it a lot, but what is difficult is to is to te- is to gauge the temperature, particularly mm-hmm. on the, the, this this one. It's either raging hot. Or crazy hot. <laughs> There's no in between. Right. It's just like it's gonna. And the one of the things you've got to do is you let a little bit of gas into it. It pools like a little bit of the liquid into the bottom of the stove, and then you set it on fire. And if you've got too much liquid in there, it's gonna go crazy and set fire to your face. So you need to make sure that your eyebrows are kept away when you're lighting it. Or get your cycling partners to do it for you. <laughs> Get somebody like Chris Bonassi to do watch him, watch him lose his eyebrows. So I, I had one of these about 20 years ago when I was in the army and um, and I was leaving the barracks at the end of a summer and I forgot it in the bottom drawer and I, I was like, ah, oh, shit. Cause I, and it was a nice one too. It paid like 200 bucks for it. And, right. Um, so I never got a ton of use out of it because I just uh, I didn't have it that long and then forgot about it and lost it. One of the reasons I, to- I took this stove on my World Bike Tour was because the stove is, you can use it anywhere in the world. Yeah. And it's really good at high altitude. So your traditional stoves that use like screw-on gas canisters, at high altitude, they're less reliable. Whereas multi-fuel, where you're using liquid fuel, is better when it's super mm-hmm. cold, and it's better when it's uh, when, when you're at altitude. And that's why these type of stoves are used by mountaineers 
in uh, in places like the Himalayas and the big old mountain ranges. Yeah, and these aren't the cheapest ones. So I mean, that's definitely is something to consider. Is do how how much do you need a good quality stove with you? Because they're they're not cheap, and there are alternatives which we'll talk about in a minute that are a lot cheaper. Um, I think yeah. this is a good time to mention the uh, MSR Dragonfly. Do you know what that is, Adam? No, no. What's so that? The, the I guess um, what I've what I've heard is uh, I, I haven't used it personally, but there's two types of stoves. Ones are boiling, and one are simmering. And the dragonfly kind of distributes the gas more so that it's not as um, as intense a flame. Like you said, you're torching or you're torching really hard. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's a little bit lighter and um, it just allows you to, to simmer food instead of just burning everything you try to cook. Oh, that's good. So like the uh, Whisper Light's great for boiling water, but then if you want to like make a a cheese pasta thing, it might just end up being like a big burnt clump at the bottom, right? Right. I'm not considered that. Yeah, that sounds really good. There's a feature. Now, it takes a little bit longer to boil water because I think the uh, Whisper Light, what does it take, like two, three minutes? If that, sometimes it's rapid. So that's fast. Um, But anyways, the Dragonfly, check it out. It's, It's something to consider. So the second type of stove is what I use. I, I bought it in Sweden, so I feel very Swedish, yeah, to, to have used the Swedish stove in Sweden. Um, and it's the Trangia set. So I have a, that's right. an alcohol stove. Yeah. And, um, yeah, what's that, what's that like compared to the MSR stove? I think it's, it's an amazing system. Like they, it's like an all inclusive system that's all packs up into like one pile the size of a pot. And I bought this Trangia 27, which is kind of made for one to two people. And it was really good. And I used it for some ultralight running stuff. Oh, is it that? Is it that small? Well, the stove itself is small, so it's um, it's probably about six centimeters across by five centimeters deep, and that's just okay. the stove. But then, like with the Transia Twenty Seven set, and they make a Twenty Five, which is slightly bigger. Which I don't understand how the numbers going smaller make bigger, but whatever. <laughs> um, Sweden, you know, yeah. Anyways, the the Transia comes with like a stand for it and then you got your windscreen and it's a big clunky thing and then you have your two two pots and then you have a pot uh, pan and then you have your gripper handle um so i ditched most of that and i've converted mine by buying the trangia mini stand so it's just a little stand that the the stove fits in i was gonna say they've got a really good reputation trangia so it's and it's i think that's like the second stove that you'll often hear long distance bike tourists will i met it quite a lot that were very anti-MSR, I yeah. think it's people that, that don't want to be in the popular group and they they want to be a bit left field and they, they raved about these Trangia stoves. Yeah, they're great. Um, I wouldn't say I was on it for that reason, but yeah, I, I can get like that too sometimes, I guess. You kind of get like, oh, I'm not going to go with the top brand. I'm not going to go with the one that's most popular, you know, but um, in, this case, in this case, I was living in Sweden. My landlord had one and they said, here, you can borrow this. And I used it a few times. I was like, oh man, this is freaking awesome. So I bought one, but it cost me about, it was pretty cheap. Like, let's say the whole set was about 45 Canadian dollars, so like 20 pounds. Right. And so when it comes just to, to efficient, like yeah, value for dollar, I think it's, it comes out on top. Probably one of the cheapest options of stoves. And we love cheap, mate. Anything cheap yeah. is good if it works well. You know, if you can get something that's going to last as long and you're paying less for it, bonus. Yeah. And the fuel burner only weighs about 108 grams. And you can even get lighter options out there if you're searching for alcohol stove. What fuel does that? So it's multi-fuel as well. So I use generally methyl hydrate 
um, white gas. You can use rubbing alcohol um, as long as it's like right. the 99%. You can use petrol. So I've just got a comment in here yep. um, from one of the listeners, and they're saying that um, diesel is hard to light. I've never tried it on a Trangia, but I don't know how but it would be on an MSR either. So imagine on imagine diesels because it's the, an oil, right? It doesn't. It's hard to get it to vaporize. So right. So that makes sense. Yeah. So I think that's why using using the uh, unleaded variety is usually better. Yeah. You can, if you can get hold of diesel, you can get hold of unleaded nearly nearly all the time. Well, I don't think the MSR Whisper Light is like a, a new high tech diesel car. Like I remember my parents' diesel car <laughs> of the eighties. You had to plug it in all night to get it to work, and uh, yeah. so so on that note, yeah, you you probably have to prime it really, and it would probably be really difficult. I think it's like diesel would probably be your last option. I know you can use kerosene with the uh, MSR International, so I imagine you can with other ones as well. You yeah, you, you can use it with the stoves. I think Transia you can use just about anything. You could probably use your yeah. seal fat too if you wanted. I don't know if you could get it in there. There's like a little thing. I don't know the name of it, but it's like this little kind of adapter which controls the amount of liquid that comes mm -hmm. into the stove and you get different ones depending on what fuel you're using. Yeah. So that that usually comes with the stove which uh, just I made the error once of changing it and putting the wrong one in and my stove didn't work and I, I spent hours trying to fix it. Oh, it very was something cool. really, really simple of me putting a kerosene filter in when I wasn't using kerosene. There was one other whisper whisper light that's really awesome. I thought I should mention it. Um, and it's it's it is a whisper light, but it's a. Oh, let me see if I can find it again. Um, but it's its ability is that you can actually hook up a gas canister to it too. So it comes with an extra fuel line. Oh, the the whisper light universal. Is that the one? Yeah. Yeah. So I've just seen it here. Yeah, that's a really cool feature because often that that gives you loads of, uh, I suppose. You're flexible depending on what fuel you can get hold of. And in Europe, getting hold of gas canisters is super easy, and in mm -hmm. North America as well. And it keeps things um, clean, so you just have to use, uh, you use the other one when you're in places where you have no other options. And uh... Yeah. So, yeah, that looks really cool. Yeah, and you know what? Ultimately, if it's cooking your food and it's hot, I know this. we're going to be talking about different stoves and the pros and cons, but if, if it works, that's the most important thing for me. Yeah. If it's reliable... And you're in the middle of nowhere and you're going to get a hot meal. Because like, there's nothing worse than being in the middle of a really remote location and your stove breaking. Right. It's the worst worst thing in the world. So, so reliability is so high on my list. Mm -hmm. And there's one thing you're never going to have a problem with with Transia is that it, it'll never break. Because it's literally a piece of metal that's rolled inside itself. So the gas pulls up on the inside into where the, uh, right. the swabbing is or whatever. And... There's no moving parts, no working parts. You just fill it and then light it. That's really cool. Uh, one of the keys to the Trangia is um, if you do run out, like if the stove burns itself dry, don't pour new fuel in it right away. Probably a good idea to wait a couple of minutes so it's not uh, so hot and it doesn't combust and then blow up your entire bottle that you're holding in your hand as well. I've never had this happen, but you want to make sure if you're adding fuel that there's no fire going on because, you know, stupid doesn't last long in the wilderness. And um, that might be the end of you. Yeah, I've just also had another comment come in there saying kerosene is hard to light as well. Mm. Had a nightmare with my whisper light. That's come from supple side down. Good to know. But, yeah, I, I've, I've only ever used exclusively white gas or um, unleaded car fuel, mm -hmm. both of which I've had. White gas is brilliant. It's super easy, uh, but it's expensive. If you go to somewhere like REI, 
they only serve it serve like serve it. They only sell it in really big, like kind of two liter, one liter yeah. size things. You don't need that much. So so for me, it's like I I've stayed with warm showers hosts occasionally that have end up having loads of it left over, and they've just said, "Do you want to help yourself?" And that's when I've used white gas. Yeah, I've always got an up. I've got a fill up. I've got a big bottle of uh, methyl hydrate, which goes by different names in different countries. So it's always worth worth searching out. I've got a big gallon jug of it in my garage and same thing anybody that ever comes here if they need to fill up bam just fill them up um i paid i think about 15 dollars canadian so eight pounds nine pounds for yeah. four liters so it's pretty cheap well, that's pretty good and i think that really works if you're setting up from a bike trip from your house mm-hmm. when you're on a long distance bike tour and you're fly you're flying that's another consideration is how are you going to get fuel when you land yeah and if you're if you're taking a stove like you're gonna have to if you're taking a multi-fuel stove and you've got one of the containers you really need to make sure that's empty you can't be flying with that or you're gonna get in a lot of trouble that's so the point. It's, and, and it's also flying if you're flying to another country with a like a butane propane fuel bottle do you know the gas canisters mm-hmm. you can't take that either so that can be if you're if you're going somewhere I don't know let's say I was going to go on a bike tour next week to Morocco from the UK which is something I'm considering I've got to think about what stove am I going to take with me because if I take the type the smallest one I've got which works on a gas canister am I going to be able to get hold of gas canisters when I'm in Morocco well we're going to get onto that in a second gas canisters is next Before continuing on with the podcast, I just want to thank some of the Bike Tour Adventures sponsors. Bike Tour Adventures is proudly sponsored by Redshift Sports. Founded in 2013 by a team of mechanical engineers who happen to be avid cyclists, they've been focused on creating components that make a meaningful difference to the riding experience, such as the switch aero system, the shock stop suspension system, and the kitchen sink handlebar system. I've been using the dual position seat posts paired with the shock stop stem since 2020 and have nothing but great things to say about their products. Use the checkout code BTA15 on their website to save 15%. Beginning in 2010 with environmental sustainability as a main focal point, Restrap has been in the bag making business for quite some time. Having used a race bag since 2021, I find their holster system and magnetic buckles to be extremely effective and truly unique. Use the checkout code BTAPOD10 to save 10% at checkout. Lastly, named after the animal that roams the Tibetan plateau, Chiru Endurance Bikes was started by Pierre Arnaud Le Magnin in 2009. After noticing the lack of endurance bikes on the market, Pierre used his expertise, know-how, and racing experience to create high-end carbon fiber and titanium bikes for the discerning rider and racer. Thanks, and back to the podcast. So I was going to say, to finish off the alcohol stoves, the one downside with the Trangia is it takes about 10 minutes to boil water. So it takes longer to cook your food and you end up using more fuel in the long run where the whisper lights and stuff, I mean, they, they vaporize the, the liquid and uh, the gasifier yeah. or whatever you want to call it. And, um, and so it burns really quick and strong, but the, the transia takes a long time. And I find that a 500 milliliter water bottle filled with uh, fuel, cause I, I don't okay. carry, I don't carry proper bottles that don't break down. Um, it lasts me about four to five days if I use it two to three times a day. So just depending how much I'm cooking, um, which yeah. is not great, you know? Yeah, I think out of my international one, I, I, I get a week of using it, a week usage, seven days. That's using it three times a day. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's quite good in that sense. 
The bright side is there's no maintenance with this one. It's super light. And um, if you can even find how to make a, an alcohol stove out of a pop can, I think there's some videos on YouTube. You can take a pop can, you cut it down, and you just follow the instructions, and you can make a, an alcohol stove that weighs like 25 grams or something stupid like that. Or even better than a pop can is a beer can. Oh, it's maybe, yeah, that's what it is. It's a beer can. Yeah, it's the beer can one. The beer can, beer can stove. Yeah, they do look really cool. And, and you, yeah, I'm using alcohol fuel. Another consideration here is come from uh, bikepacking, the, the YouTube website, uh, the YouTube channel. It said that try finding alcohol fuel in a Muslim country. It can be really difficult. Well, have you had any experience <laughs> with that in Malaysia? Um, you know, you could find it in Malaysia, but yeah, man, I don't remember. I did buy stuff. It wasn't, um, no, you actually, you could. You could just go to literally any hardware store. Yeah. And you could get, um, oh, it's it called, it's got, it's got, um, methanol. So it's got methanol added in, so you can't drink it. It would poison you and kill you. So right. it basically, methanol is ethanol, al ethyl alcohol with methanol added in, which is a poisonous substance, so that you can't drink it. And I suppose it really does depend. If you're in Saudi Arabia, it might be different. So if you're, yeah. in, if you're in somewhere with, like, say, Malaysia, which does have different religions and different things. So I think that that is a consideration. It's looking. Oh, another thing I did before I set up for my big bike trip was Googled the translations for these different fuels. So if I wanted to find white gas in China, having the symbol for that and trying to find out what shops to find it. Yeah, can you tell us what that, what that word was again? <laughs> Oh, man, imagine if I just did it. <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> I'd absolutely have stuck to you there, would I? <laughs> I, would, I, would have, I would have clapped. Um, <laughs> let's talk yeah. about canister gas stoves. So you, you're using one now with your bike packing kit, and um, you used a Jetboil in the past. But let's, uh, let's talk first about the MSR one you're using. Yeah, so I'm using a really tiny stove, and I'm holding it now. It's like the length of my finger, and it weighs nothing. It's so small. Which finger? Uh, it's called... It's <laughs> all of them. It's called the MSR Pocket Rocket. It's uh, yeah, it's really it's quite a cheap stove. It comes in a little case, which I immediately discarded because that's what I generally do. But um, it falls away, away really small, and it just screws onto the top of a, a gas canister, and then you're good to go. That's it. It's got no priming function, so you would need a lighter, and I suppose that's how they've reduced a lot of the weight is the primer. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, it works really well. It's really easy to control because it's got the, uh, it's got a like an adjustment handle which is really good, so you can simmer and you can boil really quickly. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm really for for lightweight travel, if I was to need a stove, I think this is going to be my choice. And you just have to have a gas canister for that, right? So UK is great, Europe's great. Yeah. So I'm using. Oh, you can get different sized ones, obviously, but I'm using a. One of the MSR like branded ones. It's a butane propane fuel. Okay. Uh, it says it's got between one and two hours of burn time, and this is the bigger variety. So you've got one or two hours of cooking in that stove. So That's depending on what you're cooking, yeah, it depends on what you're cooking. Let's say if you're cooking oatmeal porridge, you're going to just boil the water and then throw the porridge in. So it's really quite quick. But if you're going to be burning like cooking rice. That can take like 15 minutes. So I try mm -hmm. not to cook rice or anything that takes a long time when I'm using this type of stove. Do you know how much that little pocket rocket costs? Yeah, let's have a look. I think I'm going to tell you the exact current price at the moment. MSR, pocket rocket. What does Google say? Pocket 
Ah, the pocket rocket. It costs. Uh, you can get it from Decathlon for sixty pounds. Oh, okay, so not not cheap, but uh, yeah, sixty pounds it cost you. Uh, yeah, between sixty and eighty pounds okay. generally. And so not not so uh, cheap, but that's still at the same time it's um for the size and the the versatility of it within Europe, for instance, or America. Yeah, there's also a Pocket Rocket Two, which exists as well. Which, when I'm looking at it, I'm looking at the pictures of it. It, it looks identical. I'm sure there's different features, but um, I've, I think I've got the Pocket Rocket One. I believe, and it, it they works pretty much pretty well. Sweet. You've also used a jet boil, right? Like I think this is a kind of cool system to talk about. I've I've never used it. I mean, I've seen it in use by other friends of mine. I think it's got some good advantages and disadvantages. What's uh, what's your experience with it? So when I I used, I used it when I was in the army. So I was a infantry guy. So we used to cook all our food, and the the jet boil. It's good in a way that because it's got a, it's all self-contained, so it comes with the the function to cook, and it comes with a pot, so it cooks water really well. If you're just boiling water, now if you're trying to cook food, it's not as good because it's it's you can't take the the heat off the pan. Okay. Uh, so, so it's all contained. So for if you're literally just boiling water, if you're making brews, which the the Brits love a brew. A cup of tea, uh, it's really good. And one, the thing with the military is you get ration packs, which you just used to throw in to the water, and it boils the ration pack, and then you take the meal out, boil it a bag. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of like a camp, a camping meal for them. It's really good. It's quick. It's convenient. It's all one package. Uh, but for me, I want a bit more like on a bite tour. I want flexibility to be able to mm-hmm. cook my own foods and to be able to add my own pan. So I can take it off the heat, and that's the I think the real big trade-off that you're going to get with a jet boil. Yeah, I think um, yeah the jet boil. I think they make a couple models that, like you said, you can't regulate the gas, so it's it's just on full blast, and that's like the flash and the zip model. And they're the kind of cheaper models. They do make some more expensive ones that you can yeah. regulate, but now you're getting into the price of a, a whisper light, or maybe even a bit more. Actually, <laughs> fair a bit more, I think, and. And I think you're limited. You're limited to gas canisters. So I, like, if you're going to spend that kind of money, why not get something that's a multi-fuel stove that'll take you through up the highest mountains in the world and through any situation, right? Its branding is really good. As in, everyone knows what a jet boil is. In the military, mm-hmm. people don't know MSR particularly. It's not a really well-known brand. But in the military, everyone knows a jet boil. Yeah. It's even just referred to as stoves. Like, oh, get your jet boil out. It's like they just say that term even if it's not a jet boil. So that I think that that's the reason they can charge quite a lot of money for what is it? ultimately there's stoves out there that do the same job and more jobs for a cheaper price. Yeah, and MSR even makes a system very similar to a jet boil. Like they make this system where it's a sit on top with the canister, big mug type thing. And they're now producing their own version of it because they realize that there's, um, there's a lot of money to be made in that, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and it, and yeah, I suppose if it works, it works for a lot of people. It it really does depend on what you're doing. If you're just cooking hot water, hot, hot water alone, jet boil's great. If you're cooking meals, I would look at something else. Yeah. Anyway, so I think it's great in a sense, like you said, but it's also only good really for one person, right? You know, you don't have the size and the capacity to cook a lot of food for two people, especially if you're. You're doing heavy days on the bike and you need to get lots of food into your body. 
Do you mean with a jet boil? Yeah. Yeah, I, I I had the zip version, so the jet boil zip. That's mm -hmm. a really small one. Okay. Um, it's it really is just for one person that. So, and and you can't. I suppose with any other stove, you can just buy a, a pan that is bigger. And I suppose that's part of it is that you don't have to buy a pan if you bought a jet boil. You already have it, so you are kind of reducing the cost there. But yeah, definitely, it isn't something for two people. I wouldn't consider. Um, mm -hmm. really big enough, especially the amount I eat. Yeah, I hear you. Um, have you used any wood-burning stoves before? Like those little neat no. canisters where you put the twigs in? And... I've not. I've, I've, I'm looking at the comments in the, into the video now, and a lot of people here are recommending to use um, a, a bush box and just need twigs to cook. Uh, I've never tried it. I've never done it. I, I wonder how effective that is and what a pain in the backside that could be. I think it could is be it really easy? good, but maybe like if you're in the middle of Saudi Arabia, you'd be like, oh, I wish I could find a tree somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, when, I was, when I was in northern Alaska, cycling from the Arctic Circle, where it's tundra and there's no twigs. No. It's just... So that for me... And my journeys, that would never have worked. Yeah. It would have always, it's, uh, I've been, and equally going through Death Valley, good luck finding yourself a, a, some twigs yeah. to start. And, and I'm not taking it, and I'm not taking the piss out of people that use wood burning stoves. I think it's actually awesome. I think it's same thing. And once again, you got to be really cons considerate and considering where you're going to be camping. Um, for instance, yeah. Canada, USA. Yeah, man, that's probably an awesome piece of kit to use. You don't have to carry fuel. You just carry this little box that you put twigs in. Perfect, um, because we got lots and lots of forests around. And I suppose you don't want to be, I, I don't know, I, I wouldn't want to be carrying a lot of twigs with me just in case I can't find any if I'm in some desert or if I'm somewhere like that. So it mm -hmm. really depends on the type of trip you're on. And if you're going on a weekend trip and you want to pack really light and you want to be environmentally conscious, that's, I think that's wonderful. Yeah. And if it works, it works. It's like that caveman feeling of making your own fire. I think there's something to be said about that. And you got to be conscious of the weather too. Like if it's a rainy, mucky, like British weather, you might have a problem lighting that fuel, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Mate, imagine that. It'd be an I've been there trying to start a fire before when it's slightly drizzly. I'm, I'm rubbish at it. <laughs> you think I'd be good. The amount of time I've spent away, you think I'd be good at it, but I'm really bad. Uh, it's something I want to get better at. I think it comes with experience. But if you're not that experienced, it could be quite daunting. Yeah. All right, let's look back at our final questions, or our first questions, and uh, see if we've gotten anywhere through our, our banter today. Where are you going? How does that play out? I think um, type of fuel, right? So like we mentioned, you might not have access to gas canisters. So I think multi-fuel stoves, alcohol stoves, definitely your best bet if you're, if you're going like, like you did on a, on a massive anywhere in the world type thing. Yeah. I think it's tried and tested, and there's there's different choices for multi-fuel. Mm -hmm. So like, I, I'm I'm biased because I've had a good experience with the MSR Whisperlite, but there's other options, the Trangia that you've mentioned, and it'd be quite interesting to try other ones. But ultimately, it's something that fits within your price range and you know it's going to be reliable. Yeah. I think they're, they're the two things, and the, the fuel choice is probably the biggest consideration I'd be looking at. Mm -hmm. And I think you made a good point before when you said, you know, do you really need to cook? Like if you're in Southeast Asia, it is dirt cheap to eat out and it saves yeah. you a bunch of time. For instance, myself too, I'm doing some ultra distance racing this summer. I'm not bringing a stove because I got to keep a things ultra light because I'm planning it to be on my bike. Like pff, 
15 to 18 hours you're gonna a day. Be on, you're going to be living on, much, on, on McDonald's, mate. I, I don't eat McDonald's. <laughs> I haven't had any in like about six years, so it might happen, but who knows. And by that, I mean the ice creams, just the ice creams alone. Oh, yeah, little, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so I'll just be eating, every meal will be eating out, um, lots of energy bars, protein gel, or like all these gels and food whenever I can find it. And um, so it's, the, it really comes down to, do you need to cook and do you have time to cook? If, if it kind of fits into those, then don't bother carrying a stove. But otherwise, I think the uh, alcohol stoves, multi-fuels are really good. I think bringing a stove, it, it can really give you the options as well, though. So when I was in Southeast Asia, I read a lot on the online about people saying, you don't need to bring a stove. Don't bring one. The food's cheap. But if I had brought a stove, I think I would have struggled on the Mei Hong Song loop. In the where the route I went from May Sot all the way north, there was areas there where we didn't see any towns or villages for maybe a day or two, depending on your pace. Yeah. And if we if we had those stove, we would have struggled with that. It's the similar question. I know it's not the topic, but with camping gear, it all kind of comes into one. Is like, are you going to camp or are you not going to camp? And it all bringing a stove is linked to that. I think. So yeah, it depends on the type of. Of adventure you're on. That's a really good point. I did the Mei Hong Sun loop and I didn't bring a stove, but I knew I was going really light. Um, I think I had about five kilos of gear with me and I was cycling every day, 120 kilometers or so. So I, I always passed towns and I could just grab food. Yeah, so. you were fast. When, when I saw your pace and you are, you're a quick cyclist. And, on and on my folding go- bike. <laughs> on the folding bike, man. You, you was light and you were going for it. And you, you were doing a a shorter tour so you knew you could plan it more detail whereas exactly. I think as well for me like when I was going into areas of Laos and China in the mountains as well mm-hmm. having that stove it's just pure morale if you can't find somewhere to cook and you've, if you're depending on it I, a, a hot meal makes me really happy and I had a rule that I would have at least one hot meal a day but to be honest I no, normally had two and people, often, I, I met people that would cook hot meals and they'd live on tortilla wraps and peanut butter. There's absolutely a place for that, don't get me wrong, but cooking, it makes you happy. It Just does, get the yeah. getting a hot get, coffee into you or chocolate oh, or whatever. Oh, the dream. Just some hot, even if it's, yeah, it just, I feel like I can feel the energy going into me as soon as I start cooking. So, yeah. There's a good link here. Like you, we can bring this both back. We both have military experience. I mean, I was just a reservist, but hey, still. But like when you're long days and you're tired and you've, you've seen troops time and again when they're exhausted and they're, they're sleep fucked, as we like to say, and you offer them a coffee, how much that just brings them back to life, right? So it's the same oh, when you're bike touring, uh, yeah. man, just to take the, the, the time. The British Army functions on brews. Without brews, I think if, if people didn't have access to brews, nothing would get done. I'm a bit weird because I I don't really drink cups of tea too often, if I'm being honest. But uh, I'm I'm the anomaly. Everybody else is living on it. And the the reason is, is because it makes people happy. And it's a social function as well. Mm -hmm. So being able to stop, cook something, share share a brew with another bike touring partner that you might have met on the road, and just being able to offer somebody either some coffee or a tea can really break the ice. And I think it's a social function as well. Yeah, yeah. Other thing we talked about was how long you're touring. So I think the alcohol burning, in my experience, is really good, but it does use a lot more fuel because it doesn't vaporize the fuel. Um, So shorter trips, I think it's really good. But maybe on a long trip um, where fuel might be hard to find, 
or you're up in like Alaska, for instance, for eight to 10 days going uh, down the, from the dead horse, from dead horse down. I think that could be problematic. So having something that uses a, an alternative fuel. So like your multi fuels or even a canister, cause they can last easily a week. So I think there's that, a, that might be there's a couple, way. there's a couple I've seen on the internet. Uh, they finished their bike trip quite a long time ago. They were a German couple. And I can't remember the name of their channel. It's going to really annoy me. But I once saw them in China, and they'd run out of fuel for their stove. They were like near on the Tibetan plateau area, really remote. You're struggling. But they had a multi-fuel stove. And what they did was take a piece of like garden hose or a piece of tubey hose they found on the road, asked a scooter that had gone past if they can siphon some fuel from their vehicle. He sucked the, the fuel into the pipe and then released it into into his multi-fuel stove and that was to and it was so cold where they were and without that they'd have probably really struggled wow. especially somewhere that remote so so for some people like that multi-fuel stove came into its own there and having that function to siphon from a vehicle rather than buying it uh, so seeing that and that i think i might have saw that before i started the bike trip on, on somebody's video and i was like right the multi-fuel stove is a must if you want to go remote Awesome. Yeah, I think, um, and that comes back to as well, like everything, like all these questions. Personally, I think the multi-fuel stove is the way to go if you have the budget for it. If you don't, I think alcohol stove is really good. I would say if you want a budget, I would get one, I say a budget, I'd get one of them little canister stoves, um, mm -hmm. the little, the screwing ones. Or even, you know what, if you're in a real budget, I don't know the price of the jet boiler comparison right now, but yeah, they, they seem to do the job. And, yeah. and there's, there's also the... The other brands that we've not mentioned right That's now. That's true too, yeah. Primus. There's lots and of there's lots of cheaper kinds. brands, yeah. There's there's a few recommendations I can see in here. Somebody's recommending the new jet boil jet boil Mino is good for cooking and it's got a pan with it. Or the MSR Dragon. So there's loads of stoves mm -hmm. that we're not mentioning here. And loads of other brands. Yeah, like as as good as I think the alcohol stove is in terms of weight, I think the where it struggles is just your fuel usage. So if you're cooking often, three to four times a day, you want to stop and make a brew. It takes time. You use a lot of yeah. gas. Um, so as much as I love it, like I've even started second guess myself today. So, <laughs> and you don't want a reason to not get it out if if it's taking you a long time and you suddenly start to feel a little bit like oh, get the stove out. For me, getting the stove out was like one of my favorite times of the day. I'd be like, right, cooking time, let's do it. Nice. So, um, conclusions, do we have any conclusions? Have we, have we achieved think, anything? Yeah, <laughs> we've just talked a lot of nonsense about stoves. One thing we didn't mention, just to go back, is pots and pans. And That's preferences. right. Yeah, I, I, I only say this because I went with a traditional pot and pan to start with, like a normal camping pad, you know, one you'd expect to see in a kitchen almost. Oh, I like what you changed to. Yeah, you had a really nice setup at the end. Yeah, I, in Alaska, in Anchorage, bought a Sea to Summit foldable pan. It's got a metal bottom, which is all a bit mucky now from the burning, but it's so good. It's silicon and it folds away. And inside it, I have a bowl, which is like a, also a Sea to Summit bowl. And on that bowl, it can also use it as a chopping board. So within this really compact set, because that's often one of the, maybe the plus points of having something like a jet boil over having a stove is the yeah. pots and pans are massive. And if you're bike packing, how are you going to get a pot and pan on there? It's, it's going to be really difficult. Whereas these foldable pots and pans are the way, way forward, I think. 
That's a good point. Um, I use I use my Tarangia stuff, um, but I don't carry all of it. I don't use the windscreen anymore. I don't use the stand because I got the mini stand. I carry just one pot. Sometimes I carry the pan if I know I want to be cooking some eggs and stuff. And inside the pot, I carry the stove and um, some spice dishes and stuff because I like to have salt and pepper and uh, oh, chilies. I like dried chilies mm-hmm. too in my food. So um, I carry some crushed red chilies and I have like a little tiny medical, uh, what do you call this? You know, like the, you can buy at the pharmacy or a dollar store or whatever for um, for medicine pills, pill, pill package thing. Uh, so I, yeah, I screw yeah. on top one and I keep those full of things I like. Yeah, the pan, the pan I'm using is the 1.4 liter X-Pot. So if you were to Google that, you'd find it. It's really good. Really, I think, I don't know, I'm sure paid for it. They're not cheap. This is one of the things with it as well. But one of the really good things with it, on the lid, it comes with like a little area where you can uh, sift the pasta. That You know, like it, you put that on top and you tilt it out. So they've thought about it. Mine's a bit cracked and broken from, from sitting on it, but... That in, its, in itself is a super good feature. Yeah, I heard you that there is a good feature. Yeah, I think um, I think that pot and pan Sea to Summit set is amazing. I've looked at it as well and considered it for my next adventures, but not this summer's because uh, I just won't need any cooking wear. I'm not going to carry anything. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's really, yeah, it's really dependent on what you're doing. But I, I'd highly recommend it to anybody that's on a big slow multi-day adventure is and, and you know what none of these uh, things we've talked about we've just to be clear we've, we're not sponsored by anybody that we've talked about here no that's true yeah all, all, all of these kit bits of kit and equipment is just what we've used and i think that that's quite important for people to realize that we're very independent yeah we're not sponsored ones. yet <laughs> <laughs> uh, MSR, sponsored, pay attention <laughs> But if there are any sponsors that are interested, get in touch with Chris. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyways, yeah, I think um, really it's stoves, it's, it's your choice. I mean, there's so many options out there. I think the it depends, once again, like we said, where you're, where you're, where you're going. Because if you're in North America or uh, Western Europe, maybe even Eastern Europe, gas canisters are probably pretty easy to come by. But as soon as you get into Asia yeah. and uh, Central Asia and stuff, Good luck. You might want to have a multi-fuel stove or alcohol burner. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I think uh, another thing is what types of food are you going to be cooking? And that's going to be dependent on if you're high budget and you're able to buy rations or, or, or you know, your own little camping meals that you can buy from the shop. Not many people will be doing that since it's quite expensive. You might want a certain type of stove, like a gas one that's or a jet boil. But if you're going to be, and I would recommend cooking, your own like proper food with vegetables and pasta and mm-hmm. using local produce. I think you'd want something where you can control the heat, something like the MSR Dragon, is it the Dragonfly? Dragon, yeah, or, Dragonfly. Yeah, or, or using something, something where you can control the heat. I think that's a really important feature. Yeah, MSR Dragonfly, just checked it out. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, there's some really good options out there. and. On that note as well, if you guys have any comments and you're listening to Adam's, uh, you're listening to this via Adam's YouTube live stream, you guys can just comment there and he will definitely get back to you. And the same on this one, if you're listening to the podcast and you guys have comments, I mean, we're kind of doing this as a way to share our experience and we want to get your guys' experience because, I mean, there's a lot of you out there that have way more experience than us as well and and we value that input. So if you guys have interesting things you want to share or you want to say, fuck off guys, you're wrong, go ahead. 
Right. So on that, on that, mate, I'll read you out. See, I know you can't see it right now, but we'll try and get this in the future so you can read the comments as well. Mm -hmm. We've got um, Brendan Sullivan said, I've been using the MSR Windburner Personal for a few years. Been great, but not that cheap. And I think that's a, a really good point. As a lot of the things we're talking about aren't cheap. And uh, yeah, that's quite interesting. Beer can stove. That's the way to do it. If you want to be cheap, go for it. They're cheap apparently phenomenal. No, yeah, absolutely no excuses there. And then uh, my friend Mark from Bikepacking has said that he the Dragonfly Control is really, is that's the one he would recommend. Is a really good choice. Uh, the, oh, the yeah, the MSR Dragonfly. Yeah, I've I've read um basically from my reading is the MSR Whisperlight and MSR Dragonfly. I mean, this is coming from the Whisperlite uh, or from MSR, but they're two most popular brands that have been used for decades, you know, so. Supple Side Down has just commented saying the Whisperlite will simmer with less pressure in fuel bottle. That is good to know. Oh. So that's another thing when you put, if you put less pumps into it, into the, yeah, less pressure into it, that's a really good thing to know. I didn't know that. Um, I might have learned something new there. <laughs> and you could probably build like a lightweight little stand of some sort just to raise your pot higher off of the, um, the, the base. And that might be a way to get lower heat as well. Yeah. I wanted to just read one more comment, mate. Go nuts. Uh, that's, that's from uh, somebody from Thailand, Dario Delima from Thailand. is saying they're watching from Mei Hon Son in Thailand. And that <laughs> nice. is where we, that's where we first met. Yeah. So I thought that was quite appropriate to, to throw that in. That's really cool. Yeah, we uh, we had a good time there. Um, I almost, I was going to say, man, that, that leaving leaving pie after meeting you guys and that night, uh, that night to like 11 p.m. or whatever, and getting up at 4.45 in the morning to start biking to Sopong <laughs> was a tough you know, day for me. <laughs> do you know what would be interesting maybe in a future episode is, is the foods, our favorite foods from bike tours. Oh, that'd be good, yeah. Yeah, oh, mate, I could talk about that all day. We could do a three-hour special on that one. <laughs> <laughs> like favorite cooked foods or favorite foods that you buy and eat that you don't have to cook for yourself? <laughs> all of the, all of all the, of the above. above, yeah. I awesome. think just food, food on a bike tour could be quite cool in the future. All right. So if you are listening to this, um, do know that it will be a, we might get one more episode in before Adam's off, but he's, uh, he's going away for work for a few weeks. So, uh, we might not have any more episodes until he comes back, but this is something, uh, I think we're going to keep forward with it because it's kind of fun and it's good for the listeners. I've definitely not talked this much kit for a long time and I've, I've, I, I keep fighting the urge to talk about kit. But you know what? I think it's really useful for a lot of people. And if you find use in this, that'd be, uh, I, we've achieved our aim. Yeah. And um, on that same note, too, is if there are certain topics you guys want us to cover, I know it's just our first episode here, but if there's certain topics you guys want us to talk about, just write a comment, post it, let us know, send us an email. You can contact me at info at biketouradventures.com. That, uh, that'll go straight to me and I should get back to you soon. Or you can comment in Adam's YouTube or you can comment on the bike tour, uh, the podcast itself. So, and, uh, you can check out my website, www.biketouradventures.com. And, um, I'll get these things posted up there too in a new section. I haven't started yet. Sounds good, mate. Somebody's wrote here, cook six boiled eggs. You get breakfast, lunch, and use water. That's proper cool hand Luke. The smashing boiled. Have you ever seen that film? No. It's a, it's a, it's a really, you need to watch it, mate. It's great. Yeah, he's, he's in prison and he, has, he ends up eating 50 boiled eggs as a competition. 
Nice. Yeah, man. But yeah, I don't I do think. Um, I love a boiling egg, but I don't know if cooking a full packet day is going to be be good for the. I think the gases you're going to be producing from that are going to be horrendous. Oh, I knew a guy in Sweden though. He was like a big, big, big dude. Like lifted a lot of weights, and he would eat 18 eggs for breakfast. That's <laughs> fucking mental. <laughs> Right. This All has right. been really good. All right. Now we're just bantering. So I will talk to you soon, Adam. Yeah, I'll speak to you soon. Later. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it. That is the end of the first episode of the Bike Tour Adventures Touring Talk with myself and Adam Hugel. If you go into the website at www.biketouradventures.com or you follow the links through the podcast, it'll take you to an article that I will put together that will lay out in even more detail the various equipment that we talked about, answer more or less the same questions, but provide pictures, prices, comparisons of various equipments that uh, that might come in handy or you might be want to consider or that you might be wanting to consider. So check it out. And uh, if you have any comments, please message me some comments. Email me at info at biketouringadventures.com or you can hit up Adam on his YouTube at Adam Hugo. Bye-bye. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated and keep on pedaling.